Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. I have a question for you. Are you ready to have a theological and philosophical discussion? Yes, I know it's Thursday afternoon, but are you ready to really put those thinking caps on and have a philosophical and theological discussion? I hope you are. Now, it may not be Thursday afternoon when you hear this, but whatever time it is, wherever you may be, hopefully you're ready for a little theology and philosophy, and hopefully this will be meaningful and helpful and beneficial to you. Now, it is, I'm obviously coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. The reason I say obviously is because, well, that's where I'm always coming to you live from, the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. It is Thursday, December the 2nd, 2021. It is currently 3.50 p.m. Central Time, and it's about 80 degrees outside here in West Texas. I don't know what the temperature is where you are, but yes, I, I'm rubbing it in. If it's cold and winter-like where you are, I, I'm sorry. There is a simple solution. Sell everything you have, move right here to West Texas, and well, then you can come to this church. See, that, see that's a win-win situation. It's probably just win for me. It's win for you because, well, you can move to where it's warmer. You, you may like, I know you're going to tell me you like living where it's cold, but you can't believe, you can't expect me to believe that. You, you can't. I mean, that's, that's crazy. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way you can want to live someplace where it's cold, right? It's just, there's just, I, I, I refuse to believe that. All right, no. But welcome. I hope you're ready to have a very important conversation. Let me explain why we're going to have this conversation. Because as I was in my car driving here, I was listening to Christian radio. And they gave the following quote. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. All right. Oh, uh, Will is listening live. He said it's 71 and sunny in Tennessee. Okay. Well, Tennessee is a pretty cool place. The different times I've been there, it is beautiful there. Uh, so I really liked uh, Tennessee. Johnson City is where I was always at and Bristol for the NASCAR track. But um, so, yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee is okay, but it does get cold. It does get cold there sometimes, but all right, that's awesome. So it's 71 and sunny in Tennessee. It's about 80 and sunny here in West Texas. And we're getting ready to have a conversation about theology and philosophy. All right, here we go. Once again, driving here through the beautiful countryside of West Texas, not really that beautiful. Okay, driving through the ugly looking countryside of West Texas. All right, I was listening to Christian radio and they gave this quote, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That's a rather profound quote. Look, the only way you're ever going to understand life is by looking at it backwards, looking at it after the fact, but you have to live your life moving forward. You can't always look backwards, but it's looking backwards is when you can really understand it. Now, we could get into a whole discussion about this. We could get to a lot of philosophical discussions, but I started thinking about the quote more from a theological perspective. And I started, and, and, and part of why is because of what they said next on Christian radio. But before I tell you, I just started immediately thinking about it from a theological perspective. And I basically asked myself this question out loud as I was driving in the car. I have lots of conversations with myself as I'm driving in the car. I basically asked, do we ever truly understand life? Do we truly ever understand it? Now, we can say that life can only be understood backwards. That seems to imply that there is a way to actually understand life. And I seem to answer, I don't know if we will ever truly understand it. I don't, I don't know if we will ever truly understand it. Now, the Christian radio, the person talking on Christian radio, they took this famous quote. It's a very, very famous quote. Again, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. They took this, and this is basically what they said. I'm somewhat paraphrasing. I wish I could get the audio clip of it, but it wasn't from like a program. It was just like the host talking and basically said, look, right now you may not be able to understand your life. 
and all you can do is live it forwards. But there was, there will come a time that God will explain it to you, that God will help you understand it. You may not understand it now, but there will come a time when you look back that God will help you understand what it all meant, what it was all for, and will help you understand it. And so, my, my again, my first question is, do we, can we truly understand life? That was my first way. Can we truly understand life? And then after the, the announcer on Christian radio said that, that you live your life forward, but there will come a time that when you look back, God's going to reveal to you what it all meant. God's going to explain it to you. Immediately I said in the car, is that true? Because I can think of one biblical account where clearly God doesn't explain anything. And you talk about a life that needed some explanation. I think this one clearly counts for it. So we're going to go to that book. We're going to look at uh, the beginning of the book. We're going to look close to closer to the end of the book. And then we're going to look at some basic information about the book that I think calls this entire concept into question. And I know I've heard this a lot from Christians. So look, right now you made it. Look, right now it may not make any sense, but God will reveal to you sooner or later why that happened, why that occurred. And I just, I don't believe that. I, I, I completely reject that. I, I don't believe that I'm going to get to a point in my life and all of a sudden I'm going to look back and I'm like, it all makes sense. Now I can look back and maybe in my own mind, try to make it make sense. But is that really the, is that true understanding? Or is that just simply me offering an explanation? Like to truly understand life means that I can look back and I can get the correct understanding. To me, if, if I'm saying I'm going to understand something, that understanding is either a correct understanding or it's a wrong understanding. I don't believe that everyone's going to get to the end of their life and then look back and go, it all makes perfect sense now. See, now I can connect the dots and look, there's the picture. I, you know, dot, you know, this dot to this dot. And now look, see everyone, it makes sense. I don't believe that's true from a, let's call it a secular philosophical perspective. And I definitely don't believe it's true from a biblical theological perspective. The secular world just says you can look back and it's going to make sense. I reject that. And the Christian world says, no, you're going to look back and God's going to reveal and explain it to you. And I completely reject that. So basically, I don't agree with anyone. Okay. I just don't think it is true. And I think the Bible supports my perspective. I really do. I believe the Bible supports my perspective. You can disagree. And well, then you can be wrong. I'm just joking. But I'm going to at least try to prove my point. All right. And I think you all know which book I'm going to. Probably everyone knows where I'm going, right? We all know. We all know. The book of Job, right? I mean, we, we know we have to go here. We just, we have to go here because this book is, is so, the book is so profound that I, what I fear is that so many times in the hands of, of pastors and Sunday school teachers and Christians, we, we we reject how profound it is and we try to replace how profound it is with simplicity, right? I, again, I think so many times people don't like uncertainty. People don't like confusion. They like answers. If you listen to what turned out to be a crazy long sermon last night, I am so grateful that I have a church that allows me to preach for one hour and 20 minutes and then afterwards stick around to continue to talk about the subject. Okay, that's rare. Most people would have been, most pastors would be fired for going an hour and 20 minutes. I did feel very, very bad. But by the end of that, we didn't have any answers. <laughs> we, we didn't have any answers. Now, some people don't like that. They want certainty. But I think if, if you want certainty, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be a great, I think what you'll have to do is you'll have to replace uncertainty with a sense of certainty that's not based off truth. Because I think when we read the book of Job, we have someone who doesn't get any answers. But, but let's remind ourselves of what happened. Job chapter one, verse one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. 
Here is a man, an actual real person with real emotions, real feelings, real relationships. So let's, let's not, let's just not make this man a character that, that we strip of all humanity. This is a real man, not a real man. This is not a man living in some blatant sin and rebellion to God. This is a man that seems to be living a godly life. Everything seems to be going wonderful. Everything seems to be going great. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. He has a family. He has children. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she asses, and very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. This man, this is a real man with real relationships. He has a family and he's extremely wealthy. And he, from all accounts here, is a very godly man. Everything seems wonderful. It's like if this was an opening scene in a movie, it would have all the nice, you know, music just to give you this beautiful scene of how perfect is everything in life. Everything seems to be going well as far as the text is, as far as the information provided by the text, right? And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting was gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So he's basically, not only is he serving as the head of the family, he's almost serving in a role as like almost a priest for the family, making sure offerings, making sure that everyone is, he's trying to make sure everyone is okay spiritually. Right? So again, a beautiful picture of faithfulness, seems to have a sensitive conscience to sin. Everything's going wonderful. Then the dramatic music happens. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. Enter Satan. And the Lord said, I want, I want to just make sure we spend a lot of time right there. And the Lord said, the Lord speaks here. It's not Satan says anything. God instigates this entire situation. He instigates it. This is the all-knowing, all-powerful God instigates everything that's about to take place. All right? Now, make sure we understand this. We are reading this. We are given insight into this. Job is not given any insight into what is going on here. Job has no idea. Like we, we, it's like we have the scene of Job and his family, then the scene cuts away, and now we're in, in the presence of God, and there comes Satan. Job has no clue what's going on. He doesn't have any idea that this is happening. He's not giving any insight. He's not getting a text message. He's not getting any information. He's not getting a phone call. Nothing. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. But here we are. We're watching the scene unfold. And here's God. And then God speaks to Satan. And the, and the <laughs> words, that, if, if you know the book of Job, like you, you almost have to go, wait, no, 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 don't, 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 don't say it. Don't say it because we know what's getting ready to happen. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered, uh, then, then Satan answered, uh, uh, the Lord, uh, okay, then the, Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, now here are the words, hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And you're like, no, 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 no. So because we, if you know the rest of the story, you're like, no, don't say that. Don't say that, God. Don't, don't ask Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God is the one who instigates this. God is the one who turns Satan's attention to Job. God is the one who sets this up. There's, 
there's no other way to read this. God is instigating this. God is directing this. God is, is working out his good pleasure, his purpose, and his will. And it's not going to be pleasant what's getting ready to take place. So have you conser- cons- considered my servant Job? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not, hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. God sets up the entire situation. Satan is like, well, obviously he, he, he's a great guy because you've protected him. You've blessed him. Remove your hand of protection. In a sense, remove your hand of blessing and he will curse you. And God's like, okay, go for it. Now, I, there's no, look, we can, we can Christianize this. We can give this, we can give this the church treatment where we sanitize it like it's a Disney movie, but this is a, just an absolutely horrible thing to witness. Basically, God is like, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And, and, and Satan, or God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan is like, well, the only reason he serves you is because you protect him. In other words, it almost becomes like a game. And the pawn in the game, look, the, the, the piece on the game board is Job. God's like, hey, there's my servant Job. Satan's like, yeah, the only reason he's any good is because you protect him and bless him. Remove protection and blessing and he'll curse you. Okay, go for it. It's like, whoa, that, that's hard to read. Now, I know in church we're not supposed to say that, but that's hard to read. You want to go, wait a minute, we're playing with someone's life. We're not playing with a character on a video game. This is a real person, real relationships. And now he's getting ready to be a pawn and some cosmic game. It's it's very hard to read. And please note, Job doesn't have a clue that this is going on. Job doesn't know, doesn't understand. He's... It, he has no idea. And then immediately we see what happens. It, it, it just takes, I mean, it's almost instantaneously. And there was a day, well, okay. When I, it feels like it was instantaneously. We don't know exactly how long for, from the time Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, but there was a day, we don't know how long, when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only, I, and only I have escaped alone to tell them. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. When he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold us, there come a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. It is just one tragedy after another tragedy after another tragedy. Loss of life, loss of material wealth, it is pain, it is suffering, it is destruction. Now, a lot of people say, well, Satan did it. Yeah, Satan did it, but God instigated it. God allowed it. God set the entire situation up. So Satan may get some of the blame for carrying it out, but God allowed it. So it fits into God's purpose. God's purpose is to allow Job to suffer in unimaginable ways. And for at least at this point, all you can see is to prove a point. 
to Satan. Again, Job doesn't have a clue what's going on. Job doesn't like, wait a minute, something just happened in heaven. There must have been some kind of conversation. What? No, he doesn't know what is going on. He doesn't have a clue what is happening. All he knows is pain, suffering, death, and loss. And then we read the, the famous famous passage here. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is confronted with absolute pain and there, there is no He has no understanding. There is no reason. There is no revelation to explain it. But he knows this, that he worships God. And I love this. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He he understands that God is somehow is in charge and is in control. He he doesn't say, well, this can't be from God. This has to be. No, he, he acknowledged God has to be sovereign and involved in this in some way, shape or form. He worships God. And he's willing to accept from God that which he does not understand. And you say, well, he's living forward, but is he going to get to a point in his life where he can look back and it makes all sense? That seems to be the inference by many Christians is like, just give it time and it will all make sense. We'll see if it's ever going to make sense. But at this point, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no explanation. The only thing he knows for certain is that there is a God that God deserves to be worshiped and that God gives and that God takes away. And as he says in his exact words, blessed be the name of the Lord. God has deserved to be worshiped no matter what occurs. That, that is absolutely, I, I think that's so critical to understanding Now, that the entire book. And please, if you continue to read the book of Job, Job is going to express pain, frustration, wishing he was never born. He is going to express that pain and frustration. So it doesn't mean that all you can ever say is, well, horrible things happen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now you can say that, try to live according to that, but you can also express great pain and frustration because at no point is Job ever accused of sinning with his mouth, even though he expresses his pain and frustration. But he continues to trust that God is involved and it, well, God can do whatever he would he wants to do. But wait, the story doesn't stop there because now we go to chapter two. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? And you're like, no, don't say that. Why do you keep bringing up Job? Leave him alone. I mean, you almost, as a reader, you almost like, what, what, what is going on here? Why do you keep mentioning Job to Satan? Could you just leave him? Could, could you just not mention his name ever again? But he mentions him. And uh, there is not, and he says, there is none like him on the earth and a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest uh, me against him to destroy him without cause. Now, I, it's interesting that it says thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. But, but that's kind of a, yeah, we, we, that we can get to all kinds of theological discussions here. Okay, but verse three, Satan answered uh, the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone, his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Once again, demonstrating God's in charge of all of this. God is guiding it. God is controlling it. And we, and we, if we believe God is all-knowing, which the Bible clearly would give as one of the attributes of God, omniscience. He knows exactly what's going to happen. So God is, God is in charge of all of this. And we know what happened. Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. And his wife 
And then said his wife unto him, doth thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Hey, you're, you're suffering. Things can't just curse God and die. End it. End it. Just end your suffering. Curse God and die. Just, just and basically do what you got to do to die because you don't want to prolong this one second longer. How bad can things be? But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. He's like, hey, once again, he's acknowledging we have to accept it from God. He doesn't say, this is, this is some bad evil force. This is Satan. This is demons. No, he understands God is in charge and he sees it coming from God. He understands from whence it comes. He doesn't understand why it has come. He knows from whom it comes. He doesn't have any understanding to the reason why. The one thing we do know is that God works all things to his good pleasure and will. We know from whom things come. We just don't always understand why. We can only understand life backwards, but we have to live forwards. Yes, we have to live it moving forward, but I don't know if we'll ever get understanding looking backwards. At this point, all he knows is, I know God is in charge. I know God brings good. God brings bad. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm gonna re- if I'm going to receive good, I will receive bad from the Lord. He knows whom these things, ultimately he knows who is bringing this into his life. Ultimately, it is God. You can, you can put all the emphasis you want on Satan. It is God who's directing this. And he accepts it. He doesn't have, he accepts the reality of it, even though he doesn't have any understanding for it. And that to me is one of the key elements of living the, one of the key elements of Christian discipleship is to learn to accept everything being from God, his sovereignty, even when we don't like it, we don't want it, and we never get it uh, any explanation for it. That is spiritual growth. And it's not always easy to continue to serve the Lord and to bless his name when the things that are coming are horrible and make no sense. I had to encounter this early on in my Christian life. I had not been saved super long when my mother died, 39 years of age, gone, boom. She just got absolutely unexpected. It wasn't some drawn out thing. It was an aneurysm in the brain, boom, stroke, gone, dead. My mom's gone. All right, don't even, we won't even go back to all the years before that with the craziness in the home, abuse, and all the horrible things. I mean, you could write a book about how messed up all of that was. Just messed up, messed up, messed up. Then I become a Christian. Now my mom's dead. No, and I'm not even living at home at the time. I'm living with another family. No reconciliation can take place. No forgiveness. No restoration of a relationship. She's just gone. And then all of the crazy things that ensues after my mom's death with my dad getting remarried, what, nine months after her death, standing right where the casket was. Now he's standing there getting married. The whole thing was just insane, crazy. It's something out of a bad, bad, horrible movie, right? None of it made any sense to me. It didn't make any sense. I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm believing in God. I'm following God. I'm not trying to go out there and get drunk and I'm no longer selling drugs. I'm not doing all the things I was doing. And this is what I get. Because I thought if I'm following God, this can't happen. I didn't understand that. No, following God doesn't mean all the bad things go away. In fact, more things may come into your life, but it is God who brings it. And you have to trust and bless the name of God, even if it doesn't ever make any sense. I had a hard time with that. So I decided I was going to take the easy way out and take a gun and end my life and ended up in a psychiatric ward for, what, eight weeks of my life. Yeah, horrible situation. I had a hard time processing this. I didn't understand this. I still don't know if I understand the book of Job from, from the, the, the perspective of what in the world is going on. And what Christians do is like, oh, but God had a wonderful purpose in it, and he, he really helped Job out. And I mean, and Job got things back. He still lost his children for crying out loud. You, I mean, when you lose a child, even if you get another child, you still lost your child, right? I, think, I mean, you can't remove the emotions from the story. Now, 
Then his friends show up, and then there's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. His friends are like, you have to be doing something wrong. No, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, obviously you have to be doing something wrong. No, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, obviously you have to be a sinner. No, I'm not. And then Job's like, I wish I wasn't even born. I, w- I cursed it, and, and it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's crazy to read, and it's just like you wish his friends would just go away. You wish they would be quiet. You feel bad for Job, and it's just horrible, long reading and you and just and it's easy to get so caught up in the the back and forth of the the debates that you forget the emotion of what's going on. This is a man who is suffering in ways that you probably cannot even comprehend. I can't even comprehend my, the suffering I endured in my life is nothing compared to the suffering that he endured in his life. Then we know that Job has all kinds of things to say, like he's frustrated, he doesn't know what's going on. And then when the Lord finally speaks. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. This is chapter 38. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Okay, who's speaking to me? Who clearly demonstrates that he's using words, but he has no knowledge. Those words contain no knowledge. Now, immediately that demonstrates Job doesn't have a clue. Job doesn't understand anything. Job's entire perception of everything is completely flawed. And completely wrong. And you can understand why Job doesn't understand. Because he's never been given an explanation. Ever. And he says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer, uh, I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Okay, Job, you've got lots of frustrations. You've got lots of questions. You've got a lot of things you want to know. But you know what? I'm not going to answer you. You're going to answer me if you can. And then he just rattles off question after question after question. Verse 4, Job 38. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And it's just one question after another question after another question after another question that Job cannot, he can't answer. He doesn't have the knowledge to answer. It's beyond his ability to answer. And, you, and it almost feels cruel. You're like, whoa. I mean, Job's suffering. Now, he's allowed him to suffer and suffer and suffer. And then God, when God finally shows up, it's like, all right, test time. You fail. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, that, that doesn't seem very comforting. All right. He continues in chapter 39. 38 and 39, it's just question after question after question after question. And then chapter 40, moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall, uh, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. So are you going to contend with me? Are you going to reprove me? Basically, are you going to try to correct me, Job? Are you going to try to reprove me? Are you going to try to correct the creator, the Almighty God? And then when Job finally answers, the, the, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. He's like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm done. I I don't have anything to say. Job realizes I need to be quiet. I've run my mouth. I've offered my complaints. I've offered up my frustration. I've tried to defend myself. I've done everything I can to try to figure all of this out. I'm done. There's nothing else I can say. And at no point, at no point does God explain himself to Job. He doesn't say, look, Job, here's the situation. I did it. Here's how it started. Me and Satan were having a conversation about you, and I wanted to prove that you you truly loved God. So I brought all of this suffering to prove that point. And what most people say is they try to offer some because everybody needs an explanation, right? We all we can't leave the book of Job without an explanation. So then pastors come along and say, but see, Job had a pride problem. And so this was to humble Job. This was to help Job grow spiritually. See, it all makes sense, right? Everybody feel better. We, we want to add an explanation to it. We want to add an explanation. Now, I'm not saying that Job wasn't humbled. I'm not saying that Job did, faith didn't grow, but I'm saying the, the purpose, 
God is the one who determines what the purpose is. And if God doesn't say, we got to be very careful to answer it, but we have to answer it because nobody likes the story. So we got to wrap the story up nice and neat and make it a Disney version so everybody feels a little bit better about it. But he doesn't get an answer. So as I was driving the car, hearing this famous quote, hey, the only way to understand life is you have to look at it backwards, but you got to move, you got to live, you got to live your life moving forward. Okay. I know I'm paraphrasing the quote, but you get the idea. I started thinking about it. Is it possible? I just, I just threw this out there in my mind. This is just, I'm thinking all of this as I'm driving. Well, I wonder if someone could say, well, Job does finally understand. Job does finally understand because maybe he wrote the book. Maybe he wrote the book of Job. And if he wrote the book of Job, then he was given the understanding. Well, let, let's just put that to a quick test. Let's put that to a quick test. Most believe the events of the book of Job occurred somewhere around the time of Abraham. That's where we think the events occurred. Somewhere between uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, somewhere around that time frame is when the events of the book occurred. If you, if you have a chronological Bible, typically you'll get to like Genesis 1 through 12, and then the book of Job will be inserted if you have a chronological Bible. You read Genesis 1 through 12, then you read Job. That's usually if you're going to read the Bible in some kind of chronological order. So that means the events happened early on. So who wrote the book? When was the book written? Well, I have here the ultimate Bible guide, and we find this. We don't know exactly when the book was written, perhaps during Solomon's rule. Okay, well, that's way after the fact. Clearly, that's not Job writing the book. The book is anonymous. The author's frequent use of of the Lord, Yahweh, in the prose section suggests that he wrote from the Israelite national perspective. It may have been penned any time in the millennium between Moses and the end of the Old Testament period. Even the earliest period would be after Job. Even if you go from the earliest period of time, it would probably be after Job. So there's, there's almost no way Job wrote the book. And if Job didn't write the book, then that means we have no record of him ever being uh, giving any understanding. When he got to the end of his life and he looked back and he's like, man, you remember that time when all of my servants and I lost all my property and my family died? That was horrible. And then did God come along and go, but Job, here's the reason I did it. No, he was never given that explanation. Now you can say when he got to heaven, he was given that explanation. You can you can make that you can you can make that guess. You can. All I'm saying that while we live this life, we may never understand life. As we live this life, from the point of birth to the point of death, as we live this life on this earth, we may never understand. We can try to assign understanding to make ourselves feel better. We, we crave understanding. We crave understanding. And so sometimes we will say, well, I, and you'll hear Christians say this, well, I think God revealed to me that that's the reason I went through that. And I'm like, whoa, God revealed that to you? Could you please show me the pages on the, on, uh, in the Bible? Which book, which verse revealed that? Because either one, you ripped it out of context, or two, you're claiming to me that God spoke to you directly, which again, then undermines the authority of scripture and leads to millions and 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 millions of theological problems. Because if you claim God talked to you and that person claims God talked to them, then, well, then it becomes a free-for-all, which is what we have happening in the charismatic world and much of the evangelical world because everyone believes God is talking to them. So God doesn't show up and reveal it to you. I, I, I know that you may not want to hear that, but God is not going to show up and reveal and explain what happened. You may, you may say, well, there's got to be a purpose. I'm not saying there's not a purpose. The purpose may be God's good pleasure and will. And you, what, what, other than that, I don't know. You, you can try to say, but it had to be for, for my, it had to be for my good. It had to be for my, well, you can go to Romans eight and all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. I think if you look there, that, that good is in direct relation to salvation, right? And that all things work together, God's foreknowledge, God's predestination, God's calling, God's justifying, God glorifying, all of that works together for our good as, as, in regards to salvation. But you, we, we, could have, we could have some discussion there about Romans 8 and how to handle that. 
The point is, whatever the reason is, you are guessing. You're just guessing. You're just saying, well, it has to be. I don't know. Look, I can look back at my life. I don't know why I was born and raised in an abusive home. From a spiritual perspective, I don't know. From an earthly perspective, it makes perfect sense, right? Depraved people, depraved things, sin happens. Who am I to say I deserve to be to, to, to receive anything better, right? I can look at every, I can look at sin in my own life. Well, that's my, that's my own sin, my own failure. Can't blame anybody else. I could argue, well, God could have intervened. God could have stopped it. I mean, God intervened many times in the Bible. Like, like when David walks out on the roof, you're like, why didn't God intervene? He intervened 900 other times. Why didn't he intervene right there? He could have he could have made sure their schedules never matched up so that David never saw her bathing. He could have stopped it. I mean, you 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 we can have those discussions all day. But things happen and we have to trust that God's working all things for his pur- his purpose, his glory, and his will. And we may never get an explanation. To me, the Christian life has always been this, following God and trusting God, even though we don't have an explanation, even though we don't have understanding. We have the basic facts that all things work according to God's good pleasure and will. We know that, that God is sovereign, God is in charge. We don't ever get a reason beyond that. This is the whole concept of walking by faith and not by sight. This is the whole thing that we are living with, that we are to trust God when it doesn't make sense. And the only way we can do this is, we've talked about this now, it has been a theme the last part of 2021, is deny self, die to self, and turn from self. That's the only way, because if self gets, an, self needs an explanation, self needs understanding. And there, and you, you, there, there, there can be some understanding. We live in a fallen world and so people suffer and die, but everyone lives in a fallen world and not everyone experiences the pain, same pain and suffering. Why do some experience and some don't? Why are some people born and raised in a horrible, abusive home where crazy, crazy things happen and then their parent dies when they're very young? Why? Why does, in other ca- cases, it didn't happen. I mean, my, my sister was, what, 10 years old when, when my mother died? I think she was 10 years old. She was super young. I mean, you talk about just all the scars and craziness that encountered in her life, craziness. Now, yes, still some horrible, bad decisions of her own life. Praise God that, uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, she was baptized. So praise God, she's now been clean uh, from drugs for, I think, what, seven months now, eight months, I can't remember. Um, So praise God for that. Hopefully, as she begins to try to walk the Christian life, it will be slow steps and hopefully, I mean, that, that you know, coming from basically an atheistic background addicted to drugs, let, praise God for that. But all those scars and pain, you can say, well, some people say, well, it brought her to salvation. God could have brought her to salvation without all of that, okay? It doesn't require all of that to get someone saved, okay? You say, well, in that case, it does. No, salvation is based off the sovereign work of God. We, we, want, we want to assign explanation. Uh, we want to explain, ex- we want to assign explanation. We want to assign reason because we have a very difficult time embracing no reason. Like, in other words, there is always a reason because God is at work. But we we feel like we've got to then figure that out. And it's not for us to figure out. I'll, I'll never understand why. I I can sit back and go, well, why did that happen in my life? And I can try to go, well, if that wouldn't have happened this way, I can sit there and try to connect the dots and I can sit there and try to figure it out. All I know is, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives, God takes away. If I'm going to receive good things, I got to receive the negative things. God works all things for his purpose and as well. I don't, if I'm looking for an understanding of it, I think that then I just, I think then I start trying to assign it when it may not even be the explanation. If Job tried to explain it, Job would have never been able to come up with an explanation. I, as a pastor, can say, well, look, guys, this is the reason he did this for Job. He did this for Job, and I can try to assign reason, and which most preachers do when they preach the book, or most Bible study guides try to offer some explanation. All we have is the explanation God gives. And and, and, and the book, the explanation is he wanted to prove a point. <laughs> okay. I don't like that. 
you may not like, I'm not saying something good may not have come from it, but that, that's me looking for like, okay, there's got to be a reason here. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Well, and just think about this. Whatever reason you want to assign to it to make the story better, it still resulted in people dying. Human beings died so that he could help Job grow spiritually. That he could, well, you know, Job's a little prideful, so I'm going to kill some people to help Job with his pride. Okay, that's a little, that's a little messed up. Hey, Job's got some issues here, and I'm going to fix Job's issues by allowing human beings to die. Well, and then people say, well, people die every day. Yeah, that's wonderful for you to say that weren't your kids. They weren't your family members. I mean, you can, you can sound so tough and super spiritual when it, you're talking about someone else's life, but it, it's, I just, I just don't think, I think we have to acknowledge that we may never understand and we have to embrace that. And this is the whole point that as a Christian, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We may never understand it. We may never get an explanation. Maybe when I'm standing in the presence of God, it will all make sense. That's then. And you could say, well, when I get to heaven and then I look back, then it will be revealed. Okay, maybe you can make an argument. But I'm just referring to from birth to my physical, when I'm laying on my deathbed, if I have the ability to spend any time reflecting, like I don't die in some horrible tragedy and it's over in minutes. If it's a long drawn out process, or as I get older and older and I look back, I mean, I look back a lot of times. I'll look back as I'm driving, you know, here, thinking back about my past. And I'll be like, well, I, oh man, I messed up here. And why did that happen? And how come that happened? And, and I can just go on and on and on and on. And it just, I don't, I can sit there and try to figure it out, but I, I'm never going to be able to figure it out. But I know this, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I'm going to accept good, I have to accept evil. God worketh all things after for his purpose, his, his will, his glory. And if God is glorified and his purpose is, is met and whatever happened, then I may not understand it. God's purpose here was to prove a point to, to, uh, to Satan. Why is that his purpose? I have no idea. Why, why is that a purpose? I don't know. I don't put it this way. I, it's not up to me to like the purpose. It's not up to me to understand the purpose. It's not up to me to ever figure out the purpose. It's up to me that in the midst of what I don't understand is to worship God and to follow what I do understand. And I may never understand life, but I think it's an important concept that we have a correct, we have a correct understanding that we may never have understanding. Because if you seek understanding, what you may do is drive yourself crazy and find yourself bitter and upset because it never makes sense. So many people want answers. I remember so many times talking to my sister. And, you know, sometimes she would be clean. Sometimes, you know, she's still on drugs. But she, she had a constant. Every time we would talk, it almost felt like that all she ever wanted to talk about was our past and how messed up our family was. And do you remember when this happened? And I never understood this. And I never understood this. And do you know why this happened? And just asking questions, 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 questions. And I always felt bad because there are no good answers. Not only that, to me, what difference does it make even if you think you can come up with it? What, if I can come up and go, well, God did all of those horrible things in my life, allowed all of, because, and I try to find some super spiritual reason. You know what? I, I, that's just me trying to make peace with it. I don't need to make peace with it. I don't. There's no reason to make peace with it. It happened. God was at work. I don't understand it. Follow God, move forward. Now, that may not be the best psychological advice. And I know counseling may say, no, you got to go back and you got to deal with this. You got to understand. But I, there's no going back and understanding it. It was crazy and insane. So all I can do is trust that God was at work. I don't know what the purpose was. I don't know. I understand that he allows lots of things to happen in a fallen world that are horrible and filled with pain. But somehow God, now you get into God's, we get into God's decrees. We get into the providence of God and that all things, again, God is in charge of everything that takes place. It makes no sense. We always want to understand it. How many times 
And I'll end with this. How many times, and I've seen this, we, we, we've got famous examples of this where like a horrible hurricane is coming to maybe New Orleans or some, you know, some city. And I'll say, well, the reason that hurricane was hitting is because of there was a gay pride march or there was, there was this. And we, we got to assign that, that that hurricane was happening to punish sin. Well, once, once again, that's us trying to offer an explanation. Maybe that's not the explanation because Job's friends tried the same thing. Well, maybe the reason you're suffering is because you've sinned, which wasn't the explanation either. When sometimes we try to give an explanation and all we're doing is demonstrating that we are speaking words without knowledge. I don't understand God's purposes. I don't understand his counsel and his will. I do understand what he is revealed here in the pages of scripture. Or at least I, I can at least try to understand what is revealed here in the pages of scripture. That I can read, I can understand, and I can follow. There's so much I will never understand. That requires me to walk by faith. Abram, I don't know how much he, there was, get up, leave your land. There there were some things he got. There were some things he never truly understood. There was a lot of things he was trying to figure out. You see that all all, constantly. Hey, so God God brought us out of Egypt so that we can wander around in a desert. And now we're going to get to the promised land and there's giants over there. I don't understand this. I'm just going back. Whenever we try, whenever we seek understanding, sometimes we will find ourselves actually hurting us and moving forward spiritually. We don't move forward spiritually based off the level of understanding. We move forward spiritually by trusting God when we don't understand. And trying to make up answers just makes us guilty of speaking words without knowledge, which we are not to do. The only way to understand life is backwards. I don't know if we'll ever truly understand life. I think this is a better way of saying it. The only way to live your life is by trusting in God and following what he has revealed and leaving everything else where it belongs, maybe with no understanding and no explanation. You may not like that. You may want an explanation. You may want to understand. I wish I can give you answers, but any answers will probably be just made up. You can try to assign a reason to make yourself feel better, but it's just trusting God without the answers. That's the book of Job. He trusted God and he never got the answers, ever. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know if that was beneficial or helpful to anyone. More, I just, a little bit of philosophy and theology on this Thursday afternoon, all because of what I heard on the, on the radio here. Again, my show prep is just listen to Christian radio, and then I always have something to talk about. There, yeah, there's plenty of other things we need to talk about, but I, I, I thought I would at least share that, and uh, you, can, you can probably now argue with me. But yeah, there, there you go. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. I'll be back on the air here shortly. God bless.